I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time to drive to work. And I had to drop off my son at camp again. Okay. So last time I talked all about my um, trip to San Diego Comic-Con. And I said that in my panel, I did a little thing where I did all of Magic's history in 15 minutes. So I thought I would recreate that here, stretch it a little bit because I got 30 minutes rather than 15. But what I want to do is sort of cover the history of magic in 30 minutes. Okay, so we go back to 1993. Um, And the reason I want to do this, by the way, is there's a lot of things in magic that I think you think of having always been in magic. And a lot of those things simply haven't been. Okay, so we go back to Alpha. So in August of 1993, at Gen Con, the very first magic goes on sale. Uh, and this is what we call Alpha, uh, limited edition. Um, so what happened was they printed enough product of limited edition that they expected to last anywhere from six months to a year, may- maybe even longer. Uh, and it ended up selling out in three weeks. Um, so Alpha has some things. I mean, there are some things that started in Alpha. For example, uh, flying, first strike, trample, protection, all those go all the way back to Alpha. A lot of other things you might think do don't, as we'll see. Um, Alpha had, I mean, there's a lot of basic mechanical things that happened there. There's things that would later get keyworded that weren't yet keyworded. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, Also, Alpha, a couple of things a lot of people might not realize. First off, when Alpha got sold, there were two ways to buy Magic originally. There was the booster pack that we still sell now, and there was what we call the starter deck. A starter deck was 60 cards, um, and it came with land in it. I think it originally came with two rares, later changed to three rares. Um, and the idea was it was something you could play out of the box. It had all five colors. It wasn't playable in a loose sense that you literally could play it, but um, nothing really pre-constructed. It was still randomized. Um, and when Alpha came out, there were no tournaments. Uh, there was no deck construction rules. Uh, the only rule was you had a 40-card deck. That would later be changed to a 60-card deck. But at the time, it was 40 cards. And there was no limits. You could have as many cards as you wanted. You know, when Richard made Plague Rats, the idea is there might be a deck with lots and lots and lots of Plague Rats. That was allowable. Eventually, when tournaments started, there started to be restrictions. Um, Basically, when the tournament started uh, in early 94, went from 40 cards to 60 cards, and the four of started. Also, there was no banned restricted list when Magic came out. That one also wouldn't happen until tournaments start. Um... So, um, Alpha did introduce a bunch of things. Um, we get to see the colors and the mana symbols for the first time. Um, the white mana symbol would get tweaked later during Ice Age, but pretty much the mana symbols as you know them. Um, tap symbol, not yet, there yet. We'll get, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but anyway, Alpha comes out very, very popular, very exciting, sold out immediately. So they went back and they printed um, a second run of Limited which we now call beta. Uh, And the idea there was, they said, okay, we really underestimated the audience. We just knew, we didn't print enough. So, okay, we're going to print, now that we know how popular it is, now that we know that, we're going to print enough for six months to a year. That sold out in a week. Um, And so what they realized was, oh, also, um, one of the early things about Wizards is there were a lot of mistakes made in printing because they were sort of new to printing. Uh, and one of the problems with Alpha is two of the cards got left off the sheet. Two of the cards that were supposed to be in limited edition. Circle Protection Black and Volcanic Island. Um, 
both of which are part of cycles, so their absence was very obvious. You know, they was clear that it was missing. Um, although it was funny at the time, like I remember thinking, like I thought, oh, maybe black was so evil that it that it you couldn't make a circle protection against it or something. I I, I sort of rationalized why it wasn't one. Um, but anyway, what happened was um, magic clearly was popular, and it was not. Um, the audience was going through the material faster than they expected. Remember when uh, um, when Richard originally thought about the game, he, he was assuming people were going to spend you know twenty thirty dollars, and that it would take time to slowly learn all about the game. But people were now buying boxes and, and you know uh, of boosters, and so anyway, they um, Peter Atkinson, the, the CEO, realized that they needed to start making other magic sets. So the first thing they turned to was Richard Garfield. Uh, and Richard really quickly turned out a set, ended up being Arabian Nights, which was the very first magic set that was released. Technically, by the way, I think uh, Unlimited Edition, which is White Border version of Limited Edition, came out in December of 1993. And Arabian Nights, a little bit, a little bit of it came out in December. Most of it came out in January of 94. Um, Arabian Nights was the first time we'd ever done a um, booster back of less than 15 cards. It had eight cards. Uh, and it didn't have a rare sheet. It had a common sheet and an uncommon sheet. And the way we did rares were some cards were on the uncommon sheet just once or twice, and some cards were on the uncommon sheet, you know, four or five times. So a U1 would be rare, uh, meaning it shows up once on the, on the uncommon sheet. U5 would be a common, for example. Um, uh, and also, Arabian Nights is definitely... Um, there's a lot of things that show up in Alpha in small amounts, there are token creatures in Alpha, or there's a token creature, the Wasp, made by the Hive. Um, there's some counters, not a lot of counters, but a few counters, including a plus one, plus one counter. Um, Arabian Knight starts exploring a little more. Richard starts, um, the lands in Alpha, for example, only tapped for mana. He starts exploring with, with lands that didn't tap for mana. Um, and anyway, there's, there's some exploration in Arabian Nights. Um, from a printing standpoint, by the way, they printed uh, some of the mana circles for generic mana too dark. So they, they actually went back on press. So there are two versions of that. Um, then, uh, after uh, Arabian Nights was Antiquities. So once again, when they realized they needed to get a set out, they went to Richard to make uh, Arabian Nights, and they went to the East Coast Playtrafters, people that would end up making Ice Age uh, and Fallen Empires and Alliances. Uh, they made Antiquities. So the, uh, Scaff Elias, Jim Lynn, Dave Petty, Chris Page... Um, and so they decided to build something around a theme. So Arabian Nights was the first top-down um, expansion. It was built around Arabian Nights, the, the top-down flavor of sort of the uh, Thousand One Arabian Nights. Um, Antiquities was had a mechanical theme. It was about artifacts. Every card in the set, in its either on its type line was an artifact, in its rule text mentioned artifacts, or was a land that produced colorless mana that you could use to play artifacts. So everything was tied to artifacts. Um, also, it's the point where the very first story of Magic happens. Up till that point, um, there were names dropped, and Arabian Nights obviously made reference to the Arabian Nights story, but as far as Magic's own story, it wasn't until Antiquities. Uh, and the flavor is that you are digging up uh, you know, Antiquities of the past, and from that, you are learning of this story that happened long ago, is the idea. That the Brothers' War was a while ago from the context of when you are... The, when Antiquities was happening. Um, in it, you get to meet Urza and Mishra, who both were name-dropped in card names in Alpha, but you didn't know who they were. Uh, they turned out to be two brothers who had a war, the Brothers' War. Um, 
And the, there would later be a novel that would talk about the Brothers' War. Uh, the early, it just was flavor text was kind of hinting at what went on. Um, and then uh, the bad guys we get introduced to are the Phyrexians. So that is Magic's sort of oldest bad guy. It goes all the way back to Antiquities. Um, and um, so anyway, Antiquities definitely sort of um, really introduced sort of uh, having a mechanical heart, something that we would start doing a lot more of later. So after that was Revised. Revised was essentially uh, what we now refer to as third edition, since limited was sort of considered second edition. Um, and Revised was white border. So back then, um, all core sets, uh, the first time we printed a card would be in black border, and future times would be in white border. Obviously, uh, we would later face white border, I'll get to that. And when the unsets start happening, we introduce silver border. Okay. Uh, after revises Legends. So Legends um, was the first large set, uh, other than Alpha, the first large expansion. Um, both Arabian Nights and Antiquities had come in eight-card packs. Oh, I talked about printing errors. The printing error in Antiquities was common. The same common would show up multiple times in the same booster pack. Um, and then Legends, Legends printing problem was the uncommons were... There were two groups. There was the A, the A uncommons and the B set A and set B. And in one box, you only got one or the other. So if you bought a box of Legends, you only got half the uncommons because in any one box, only half the uncommons were in it. Um, I think that had to do with they must have been two different sheets of uncommons and only uh, the, they weren't intermixed. So off the line, you got the same sheet of uncommons. So it was all from one subset of uncommons. Um, Legends also introduced two really big concepts to Magic: multicolor cards and legendary cards. Um, so multicolor cards, um, Magic had obviously had monocolor cards the first time more than one color appeared on a card. And Legends, non-creatures were was treated like a super type, or maybe it was a super type, but creatures had a uh, a creature type, legend. Um, and the way Legends originally worked is you could only have one legendary or legend per deck. So, um, and then, once one of them was in play, nobody else could play them. So if I had a legendary creature and you had the same legendary creature, whichever one of us got it into play first, um, got to play it. And the other person had to kill the first one before they could play a new one. Um, so after Legends was the Dark, uh, the lead designer was Jesper Mirforce, who was the art director. Oh, real quickly. Revised also introduced, now he was revised, um, the first time, or... Uh, Revised was the first time that we took stuff that was in other expansions, Arabian Nights and Antiquities, and put it into the core set. Also introduced the tap symbol. Now, the first tap symbol, so Alpha just said, just literally wrote out tap two. Um, and then in Revised, the tap symbol was a T. But then it turns out, since we were translating later, um, oh, Legends, by the way, would be the first set tr uh, printed in another language. Uh, it would print it in Italian. Italian was the first language outside of English to be printed. Um, other languages would soon follow. We're up to 11 languages. Uh, but Legends was the first outside of English. Um, and in Revised, the tap symbol was a T. Then it would later become a turned card. Then it would later become, it would have an arrow on it. Um, so the tap symbol went through a bunch of changes. Anyway, the Dark was led by Jesper Mirforce, uh, who was the art director at the time. And it really was the first sort of tonal set. It was like, what, what is the dark side of each color? And looked at what's the dark side of white and the dark side of blue and dark side of black and looked at all the colors and sort of saw, you know, how could the color sort of go, go bad, if you will. Um, 
And it was the first set that had multicolor cards that weren't legendary creatures. Um, all the legends in the legends were gold or multicolored, and all the multicolor cards were legends. Uh, it, it was an exclusive set. Okay, after the dark was Fallen Empires. Uh, that was also made by East Coast Playtesters. Um, it had a very strong uh, counter and token theme. Um, Alpha did have both creature tokens and had counters, so nothing completely new, but as a thematic thing, um, was very strong. And uh, it was one of the early sets that really talked about sort of factioning in any way. Um, not kind of the modern factioning, uh, and we'll get to that, but more of just, you know, there were, there were some t- tribal components. There were things that connected. Each color had two tribes that were fighting each other, or two groups that were fighting each other. Um, and they were sort of tribally connected. Um, okay, after Fallen Empires is Ice Age. So Ice Age is the first set that was kind of designed uh, to be played by itself. Um, Legends, while a large set, wasn't, didn't have a lot of um, the basic building things you would need. For example, um, let's say you were playing Unlimited with Legends, which I don't recommend, and there was an enchantment that wasn't an enchant world that you wanted to get rid of. Oh, well, you have to go to Rare before you have a card that destroys enchantments. So, um, Ice Age had the staples in it. It was, it was not really optimized for limited. We'll get, we'll get to Mirage in a second, which, which more was. Um, but it was definitely a stuff to be played, be, be played alone. Um, it introduced cantrips, although the cantrips in Ice Age, you drew the card beginning of next turn. Uh, we would simplify that later, just draw it right away. Um, but anyway, and then that was followed by Homelands. Um, so Homelands was the first set that was kind of consciously on a different plane other than Dominaria. Um, Arabian Nights were, was kind of retroactively called a different plane, Rabia. Um, but at the time, that wasn't, it wasn't really played up like, oh, here's a new plane. Where uh, Ogrothra, the plane of Homelands, very much was its own plane. Uh, that was magic finally going to another plane rather than traveling around the same world. Um, uh, and Homelands really... Uh, was one of the early sets that did a lot of um, trying to lead with the story and made a lot of designs based on the story. Um, a lot of what they did in Homelands is found things that were popular in early Magic and sort of brought into the story. People like Sarah Angel, well, guess what? Sarah the Planeswalker's here. People like Singer Vampire, well, the race of the Singer family is here. You know, stuff like that. Okay, so um, Homelands is followed by Alliances. Uh, so Alliances was the last non-15 card pack. In fact, it's the only, I believe, 12 card pack. So uh, it had nine commons, two uncommons, and a rare. Um, and it was a smorgasbord of, of new ideas. There's a lot of mechanics that you'll later see fleshed out that, like, one of cards, and not, not a named mechanic, but things that would later get named, show up in alliances. And it's the first time a small expansion tied thematically to a large expansion. So alliances was a continuation of Ice Age. Um, now, up to now, from beginning of Magic through Alliances is what I call the first age of design. Uh, and that era is more known at focusing on individual card, meaning the design was trying to optimize card by card. Each decision was made on what would make this card in a vacuum the best card it could be. Okay, so now we get into Mirage. Mirage is the second age of design. Uh, we started getting into the era of the blocks. Um, and so the way the blocks worked early on was there was a large set in the fall, small set in the winter, small set in the summer. Um, and um, Mirage was the first set that very much was built for um, Limited, 
we, we thought about limited. Uh, not that there wasn't a lot to learn. We got much better at it. But it was the first set where we really were conscious of, of trying to make sure things were playable and limited. Because Ice Age saw a decent amount of seal play, but it was pretty painful. You can open up decks and just not have enough creatures to make a viable deck. I mean, it, it really wasn't suited to sealed. Um, and so Mirage definitely started to think in that way. Um, Mirage also... Um, well, Mirage continued the of telling the story. Um, after Mirage was Visions. Um, so I think Visions was the first small set that, ca- that came in a 15-card booster pack. Um, so Visions came in a 15-card booster pack. And it was the first set to have Enter the Battlefield effects. It had four of them, I believe. Um, but the first set to say, when I enter the battlefield, an effect would happen. Um, Visions was followed by Weatherlight. Uh, Weatherlight was the first graveyard set. Uh, and it was the first, it introduced the Weatherlight Saga. Um, there were a few characters that showed up in Mirage and Visions, like Sisse was in Mirage and Visions. Um, or maybe just Visions. But anyway, uh, the Weatherlight Saga was the brainchild of me and Mike Ryan. Uh, the idea was, let's have a story that's bigger, that transcends a single set or a single block. Because up to that point, every story was told per block. And this is like, this is larger than that. This is going to be a story that's going to go across blocks with a, a, a group of characters that travel from plane to plane. Um, and so we introduce in Weatherlight. Then we get to Tempest. So Tempest was the first set that had pre-constructed decks. It was the first set that had um, a, uh, a, pre-release, um, a pre-release card. Oh, I didn't mention this before. I did a whole podcast on pre-releases. Ice Age was the first set to have a pre-release. There's one. Um, Homeland also had one. Alliances, I think, had a handful. And Mirage was the first one in which there, you know, there were 50. There were lots of, of, of them. Um, but Tempest was the first set to have a pre-release card. Um, and Tempest uh, was the first set... I mean, Weatherlight and Tempest were the first sets that really started integrating um, the story in the art itself. We did it a little bit in Weatherlight. We did it a lot in Tempest. Um, then there were Stronghold and Exodus. Um, Exodus is, uh, Exodus is the first set where we had rarity symbols and we had collector numbers. Um, cause remember Richard's original vision was that you would explore and learn as you played. And so he didn't want telling people what the cards were cause he wanted that exploration to come out during the play. Problem was between the magic coming out, the internet had started to happen and, or, or at least had come more to the forefront and keeping information in which just wasn't really viable anymore and so we decided to let's, let's just let's help you collect your cards and let you know what rarity things were because um, we wanted people to trade and help people sort of know which card was of which rarity okay after Exodus was Urza's Saga um, so we went back in time to sort of continue telling the story and involved Urza um, Urza Saga is probably best known for being the first real broken environment, um, what we call Combo Winter, uh, and it resulted in us banning a whole bunch of cards. Also got R&D chewed up by the CEO. Um, the only time that's happened, I believe. Um, Urza's Legacy was where premium cards, aka foils, first showed up. So that we had a parallel set of premium cards that you could get. That's the first time that happened. Um, and then Urza's Destiny... Um, I, Arabian Nights was... Richard had done that by himself, and uh, Urza's Destiny was the only set... Uh, as of Tempest, um, design came in-house. So pr- prior to Tempest, all those designs were done by freelancers. Tempest Forward, the designs were... Well, okay, technically Weatherlight Forward, but 
Tempest started design for Weatherlight started design. So Tempest was the first set designed in-house, but Weatherlight was the first set in-house to be released. Um, and uh, Urza's Destiny, uh, I did by myself. So Urza's Destiny is the only set once we brought it in, once we were doing it in-house, to be done by one person. So one of my claims to fame. Uh, okay, after Urza's Destiny was Mercadian Masks. Oh, sorry, 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 before we get there. Uh, after Urza's Legacy, but before Urza's Destiny, in between, was 6th edition. So, the, of course, it, about every other year, of course, that would come out. Um, the reason I bring up 6th edition is uh, two big things. One is that we introduced new rules. And up to that point, I talked about how uh, we're in the second age of design. First age of design, um, the problem with maximizing cards in a vacuum is that you have two cards that each by themselves are pretty cool, but they don't work that well together. And that, that's one of the, the issues at hand is um, trying to make sure that it works well together. And to do that, we needed to rewrite the rules to get templates and to get the rules to say, oh, here's how these kind of cards work, so they all work the same. Um, there's a lot of things done in the 6th edition. The biggest rules change we've ever had. Introduced the stack, uh, got rid of interrupts, um, and did a whole bunch of smaller things that... Um, a lot of which are rules you might not even know. Like it used to be, uh, if if a defend if a blocker was tapped, it no longer dealt damage. Um, there are a lot of little rules like that that slowly went away. Um, the other thing the sixth edition did is it introduced the keyword haste. So haste was an alpha on Nether Shadow, um, a block card, interestingly. Um, and, and even then, it only had haste when it came or. But the only one that came back from the graveyard, maybe it had it all the time, but that you, it was a card that kept coming back from the graveyard. Um, anyway, we finally uh, put, uh, named it and gave it a keyword. Okay, so then there's Mercadian Masks. Mercadian Masks, um, Nemesis and Prophecy. Uh, not tons of innovation there. At least not a lot of firsts were there. Um, after that was Invasion. So Invasion is the start of what I call the third age of design. And this is the era of the of blocks starting to get themes. Invasion was a multicolor block. Odyssey would be a graveyard block, and so on. Um, so Invasion also introduced split cards, um, something that I actually had designed for Unglue 2, a set that had never come out. Um, Unglue, by the way, came out, I think, after Earth's Destiny. Uh, introduced the idea of silver borders, introduced full art land, introduced token cards. So, did, did some stuff. Um, so, uh, Invasion, Plane Shift, Apocalypse. So, the other important thing about this block is we made a conscious choice to save the enemy cards that Apocalypse was an enemy color set. So, uh, Invasion and Plane Shift did allied colors, and then Apocalypse did enemy colors. Uh, and that is kind of the proto version of block planning. Um, the idea back in the day is this first set would just make the first set, and then the second set would figure out what they could do that the first set didn't do. And the third set would figure out stuff they could do the first and second set didn't do. There wasn't a lot of planning out. Um, and uh, Invasion was the first set that kind of did it, not, not quite as much on purpose, but kind of backed into it. Okay, so after Invasion is Odyssey, Torment, and Judgment. Um, so Odyssey was a graveyard block, the first graveyard block, whether it had been a graveyard set. Um, uh, and we experimented with a bunch of stuff. We started um, playing around more with cards that were active in the graveyard, even a little symbol at the time, a little graveyard symbol, to let you know the cards could be used from the graveyard. Um, not that there weren't individual cards, but we had a whole mechanic flashback. Um, and Odyssey, uh, Tor- not Odyssey, 
torment and judgment both had their colors unequal. Uh, black was high. Black was higher, and white and green were lower in torment, and then reversed. White and green were higher, and black was lower in judgment. Um, ended up not working out that great, so it's not something we do anymore. But it's something we experimented with. After that was the next block was onslaught, legions, and prophecy. That was the first time we did tribal as a theme. Um, also, morph got introduced there. Um, so uh, legions, by the way, introduced double strike. So what had happened was we had done a thing called You Make the Card, um, and one of the suggestions for the mechanic for it, it was a green card, was Double Strike. Well, Double Strike wanted to be in the colors that had First Strike, because Double Strike has First Strike built into it, so we ended up putting it in white and red, so it didn't make sense on the You Make the Card, but we liked it and we put it in. So uh, Double Strike finally makes it into the game. Um, then, I think that summer is 8th edition. Um, 8th edition is known most for having a um, couple things. It introduced the new frames. Um, it, it got rid of white border. 8th uh, edition was all black border. Uh, the new frames, by the way, had bigger art and had cleaner... Um, originally in Magic, the, the title bar was in white on a darker title bar in a, a font I think called Medieval Gaudi that was just hard to read. So we changed the font, we inverted so it was dark print on a light background, uh, and we changed up the frames and stuff um, and made a new card frame as of 8th edition. Also, artifacts used to be brown, and they got changed over to silver. Land and artifacts were a bit too close to each other, so we kept land as being darker, more brownish, and we made artifacts silver. Okay, then we get to Mirrodin. So Mirrodin... Um, is the first set that introduces equipment. Uh, it's the first set that introduces race class on creature types. When Magic first came out, uh, creatures only had one creature type and artifacts didn't have creature types. We changed the rules so all, all our creatures got creature types. And then if you had a job, you would have race and class. So you would have, um, you'd be a human and a soldier, for example. Um, Mirrodin also was our first themed artifact block. Um, Darksteel introduced Indestructible. And Fifth Dawn introduced Scry. So that's a block that every single set in the block introduced a new evergreen keyword. Um, interesting. Um, or I, I guess equipment isn't a keyword, but it introduced a new uh, evergreen element to the game. Um, after that was Champions of Kamigawa, Betrayers of Kamigawa, Savers of Kamigawa. So Champions of Kamigawa is where Vigilance as a keyword gets, uh, gets premiered. Um, obviously, Sarah Angel and Alpha had the ability... And for a long time, we just called it the Sarah ability, uh, informally. Um, but with Champions of Kamigawa, uh, Vigilance finally, finally becomes a um, keyword. Uh, the other thing is, Champions of Kamigawa is the first time we tried a top-down block. Obviously, Richard had done Arabian Nights. Um, but as far as having a whole block that was sort of themed around top-down flavor, uh, it took Japanese as influence, and it was built around that. Um, set didn't do all that great, but it has since grown on to a very passionate sort of uh, fan base after the fact. Um, so after Champs Kamigawa was Ravnica. So Ravnica is the start of what I call the fourth age of design. That is the era of block planning. Uh, Ravnica being the perfect example. When we had ten guilds, we chopped them up so that four, then three, then three. Like We clearly thought about the, how the whole block would work together and built around that. Um, Ravnica also introduced hybrid mana and it introduced sort of modern-day factioning. Um, it introduced uh, using watermarks for factioning. And it did a lot to sort of um, 
really make us rethink about how we can build blocks and how we can sort of present things. So it really was a big, a big changer. Uh, so Ravnica was followed by Time Spiral, Planar Chaos, and Future Sight. Time Spiral introduced the mechanic uh, Flash. Um, we Once again, as is the case for most of these, stuff like Haste and Vigilance and Flash, we, the game had done it before. We just finally decided that we would keyword it. Um, this was the time, by the way, where I pushed to try to get rid of sorceries and make everything instant, make instant a super type. I failed in that and ended up being, being Flash. Um, also, Time Spiral was the first set to have, to have a bonus sheet where there's extra cards. And I think it was the first set where you you were guaranteed something at every booster, which was a card from the time the time shifted sheet. Um, I th- the idea of every booster having something in it, I, I believe, started in Time Spiral, the first set to do that. Um, Planner Chaos was the first set to mess around with the uh, color wheel. Not a great idea in retrospect. Uh, Future Sight introduced a bunch of keywords. Death Touch, Lifelink, and Reach. Also Shroud, but that ended up no longer evergreen. Um, we were really sort of, I was trying to revamp, and I realized that we just needed to have more keywords. And so I used Future Sight as an opportunity. We sort of introduced them in Future Sight, and then the very next set, they showed up. Because uh, they were on the future shifted sheet. Ooh, in the future, there'll be these keywords. Look, they're here. Next is Lorwyn. So Lorwyn, Morningtide, Shadowmoor, and Eventide. So Lorwyn uh, introduced Planeswalkers. Um, they weren't really used much. I mean, they, they were in the set. They weren't part of the story yet. And the original plan was they would be an occasional thing. That's the only time they show up the whole block is in Lorwyn. They don't show up for the rest of the year. They'll show up a year later in Shards of Alara, but they did not show up. So uh, they were an instant out-of-the-gate hit, and we ended up, obviously, they became the centers of our story. Um, Time Spiral, the block before, by the way, a key part of the story had been there was this major multiverse accident, and it was a uh, sort of a resetting of our planeswalkers. They had to give up their sparks to save the universe, and the new planeswalkers were depowered. The old planeswalkers were kind of like gods. It's hard to tell stories with gods, so we depowered them some. Okay, after Lauren was Shards of Alara. Shards of Alara, Conflux, and uh, Alara Reborn. So this was the introduction of the Mythic Rares. Mythic Rares did not exist before Shards of Alara. Um, it's the first time we put basic land in every pack. Uh, we replaced a common with a basic land. It's, every pack had one. Um, and it was the last tournament pack. So the reason we did this was uh, the tournament pack that I talked about selling in, this was the last time we did that. And knowing that the tournament packs were going away, we wanted to start getting people in the habit of seeing lands in packs because we wanted to make sure people had a place they can get their lands. Uh, after Shards of Alara was Magic 2010. Um, so that was the first core set that had new cards in it. Um, it also had another rule change, not quite as big as 6th edition, uh, but Magic 2010 took damage off the stack, got rid of Mana Burn, um, and did, did a few, a few things. Um, probably the second biggest rules change, I think, in Magic, although way smaller than 6th edition. Um, so a- after Magic 2010 was um, Zendikar. Um, so Zendikar... Um, was the first set kind of built under New World Order. Um, I mean, Shards of Lara kind of backwards adapted to it, but Zendikar is the one that started with it. So Zendikar, World Wake, and um, Rise of the Odrazi. Um, so uh, previously with Lorwyn and uh, Morningtide, uh, Shadowmore, Eventide, we messed around with smaller blocks, like two, two set blocks. Um, the thing we were messing around with Zendikar is the idea of having a third set that's a large set that's mechanically not connected. Um, so the mechanics that were in um, that were in um, Zendikar and Whirlwake were not in Rise of the Drazi. 
Um, obviously, the introduction of um, landfall and, and land as a theme for a set, um, and had an adventure world theme. Um, and then Rise of the Eldrazi, we introduced the Eldrazi, uh, another big villain of magic. These, these inscrutable alien creatures from the blind eternities uh, that are very hard to understand and cause lots of chaos. Um, then after Rise of the Eldrazi with Scars of Mirrodin, uh, Scars of Mirrodin, Mirrodin Besieged, and Neuphraxia, um, uh, that was us sort of experimenting with the idea of playing around with uh, tournament structures, uh, the pre-release from Mirrodin Besiege, you chose, there was a war between the Mirrodins and the Frexians, you chose the Mirrodin side, the Frexian side, and you got a booster pack and different booster packs and different cards in it. Um, and then the third set, New Frexia, that like we didn't tell you whether it was going to be Mirrodin Pure or New Frexia. There was going to be a war, and depending on how the war came out, the set would be called something, but we didn't let you know what the set was going to be named until right before it came out. Um, and, and us messing around sort of with um, the way we did events was something that, that's really a starting place for us to do that. Okay, so after Scars of Mirrodin was uh, Innistrad. So Innistrad, um, Dark Ascension, and Avacyn Restored. Um, so Innistrad introduced uh, double face cards, uh, and it introduced the fight mechanic. Uh, fight was keyworded for the first time. Um, and, uh, I mean, Dark Ascension sort of followed on that. Um, uh, Avacyn Restored was the first time we had done a large set where we had a little bit more connection. It, wasn't complete, it, was, it was its own large set with its own draft experience, but um, it, we, we had connected a little more than we did with Rise of the Eldrazi. Um, but as you can see, we start getting in a pattern here. Oh, oh something I forgot. Scars of Mirrodin, I forgot. Scars of Mirrodin was started with the fifth age of design. Uh, the fifth age of design is where we started taking more conscious thought of the emotional impact. What feeling, what emotion were we trying to evoke? And Scars and Mirrodin have played around a lot with introducing the Phyrexians and like, how do we do that? And then you can see like in Innistrad, I really was trying to set a tone of, it's all gothic horror set and make you feel afraid and stuff like that. Um, anyway, uh, so Innistrad, Dark Ascension, uh, Absent Restored. Uh, after that was Return to Ravnica, Gate Crash, and um, Dragon's Maze. We sort of revamped guilds, uh, did 5-5-10 rather than 4-3-3. Uh, and each of them was in a large set. You start seeing the large sets start showing up more. First time we had a large set show up in a winter set. Um, after that was Theros. So Theros, Born of the Gods, Journey into Nyx. Um, you see us doing more top-down. We're doing, doing Greek mythology. Um, and... Uh, we're definitely sort of experimenting more. Uh, we were doing more stuff at tournaments. Fight the Minotaur, fight the gods, and uh, what was it? Fight the... There were things you could do at the events. We start playing around more with that. Um, after that was Kanta Tarkir, uh, Fate Were Forged, and Dragons of Tarkir. This is what I call the sixth age of design, um, where we start getting much more conscious of the blocks around it. So that, like, we're not just are we thinking about what this block is doing, but what's the block before it doing? What's the block after doing? And started mapping things together and theming things together. Um, and then after that uh, is Battle for Zendikar. Or, I'm sorry, uh, before... Sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, uh, before we get to um, Magic 2015, which was after, I think, Return to Ravnica, uh, we slightly changed the frame... 
Oh, I'm sorry. It was after Journey. It was after Journey to Nyx. Um, we slowly changed the frame, not quite as much, added the hollow stamp for rares and mythic rares, and put the information at the bottom so that you could read it, uh, our, so we would do collation. Then, after Dragons, we had Magic Origins, where we introduced Menace. Um, and, and it was really was, was the start of the weather, not weather, like second, of the, um, the Gatewatch, and it started the Gatewatch story. Um, and uh, obviously, in Battle for Zendikar, we introduced the Gatewatch, um, and they, they get together in Oath of the Gatewatch. And then we continue on um, with Shadows over Innistrad and Eldritch Moon. That's the beginning of the era of the two block, where we do two blocks a year, where each block is large, small, you know, so it's large, small, large, small, kind of mimicking what we had done with Lorwyn. Um, so the following year is Kaladesh and Aether Revolt, and uh, Amiket and Hour of Devastation. Uh, Kaladesh would introduce vehicles that would become um, deciduous. And um, uh, Amiket would be us playing around with sort of doing top-down um, again, this time playing around with Egypt. Um, we also start doing a thing where we, we mix cultural top-down with flavor, where it was a combination of Egypt but with Bolas, because Nicole Bolas was playing a big part of the story. Um, then, that follow, uh, follows that is uh, Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan, and then Dominaria. Um, so, Dominaria is the start of what I call the seventh age of design, uh, and the reason for that is behind the scenes, we changed how we made magic sets. So for many, many years, we had design and development. And for the first time, we changed our processes to vision design, set design, and play design, uh, which sort of redistributed a little bit how we made things. Um, in a world where we were making more, more worlds per year, uh, it, it helped us be able to do that. Um, and anyway, um, it's the... Dominar is also the start of what I call the three-in-one model, where we do large set, large set, large set, each playable by itself, draftable by itself, with a core set. And core 2019 was the return of the core set. Um, and the big change is we started integrating in all the beginner products. So the welcome decks and the deck builders toolkit and the planeswalker packs, everything was uh, built, maximized to make those the best they could be while building the, the core 2019 create a whole onboarding experience to make um, the course of the best on-ramp we can make for new players. And that, my friends, in... How long do we have here? Uh, 30 minutes. Uh, what is the first 25 years of magic? Um, hopefully what you see today is a lot of things, and I, I didn't even get to all the firsts of magic. I didn't, like, I didn't really talk about a lot of the starting of the tournaments. Or There's a lot of things that happen. Um, but hopefully you'll see today that like a lot of keywords that you might think have been there forever haven't. Uh, a lot of people are surprised, for example, that vigilance barely, uh, barely makes it into modern. Um, or, or I'm sorry, that, that it, it's in modern. That the introduction of vigilance is in mo- within the sets that are in modern, for example. That's a little sooner than a lot of people realize. Anyway, I hope today showed you that there was a lot of first goes on. Um, get a little insight in how magic has changed over the time, and then just get a little sense of the history of magic. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But I'm now at work, so we all know what that means. I mean, this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.